Well, uh, I'm grateful uh, to be among you. I think uh, Sarah, Sarah and I and our family have uh, reached another one of those uh, anniversary dates uh, for us. Uh, and it's caused me to be uh, kind of reflective uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, seems like, I, well, I, not just seems like, it is. Every move we've ever made in ministry has taken place in the month of July. And so uh, it was July uh, six years ago that the Lord uh, led us uh, here to become part of this wonderful family. And I don't mean that word lightly. Uh, we love you, and uh, you have loved us and love us dearly. And we know that, and I just uh, want to thank you that we can be on the journey together. Uh, God is good, <laughs> and all the time. We can't say it enough, can we? But uh, it, it causes me to reflect on something that the message revolves around this morning. We've been uh, in a series of messages that Pastor BJ has been sharing with us, and God has been speaking through him. Uh, in those messages about I am. Uh, and, and for me, those messages have, have caused me to uh, reflect on, well, just who am I? Who, uh, who am I in the Lord? Who am I in my relationships with other people? And this morning, I, I didn't... Uh, Pastor BJ's always been gracious to give a lot of liberty uh, to me in the preaching and, uh, and not try to say, well, you got to say this and this and this and do this and this and this. And I'm grateful for that, and I want to be respectful of that. And I hope I'm not way off base this morning for what uh, his thoughts and uh, the heart of God was uh, for him for this series. But I want us to think about uh, uh, this notion, wh what does it mean to say, as we have sung about several times this morning, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I have been set free. I'm getting a ring in here, Jonathan. What do I need to do? Do I need to get it further away, maybe? Um, I am a child of God. All of us are children. Did you know that? One way or the other, we're, we're all children. Now, I know that can bring up a whole lot of details in all of that for a lot of us of what that looks like and what that means, but we are all children and our identity can get wrapped up in so many things at teen camp uh, one of the songs that they they sing has these lyrics to it through you the blind will see through you the mute will sing through you the dead will rise through you all hearts will praise through you the darkness flees through you my heart sings I am free. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free. Yes, I am free. Through you, the kingdom comes. Through, through you, the battle's won. Through you, I'm not afraid. Through you, the price is paid. Through you, there's victory. Through you, my soul sings. I am free. So, Here's a question, and maybe it's very timely because certainly within other 
places and conversations in our world, there are big discussions going on about what does it mean to, to live in this land and have and enjoy the liberties and the freedoms that we're supposed to have, right? Are you all tracking with me? I don't have to go down that road very far, do I? What, is it, what does it mean to be free? So I just want to ask you this morning, what does your freedom depend on? What's required for you to be able to say unequivocally, undeniably, I am free? As I've reflected on uh, again this week in uh, uh, Mardell's passing and, and I've thought about so many others uh, just since we've moved here. I was figuring it up uh, the other day, six years, I, I was I actually kind of shocked, 52 members. Would you have guessed that? 52 members have passed. A lot of them just over the first year we were here, there were about 20 something just in, it's amazing. So many years of living wrapped up in that. So many experiences, so many stories. Aren't the stories wonderful? I think if, if the Lord called me, us away from here today, the one, thing, one of the things I would take with me and say I love the most are, oh, those wonderful stories. Both of God's faithfulness and the times He got so many of us out of ignorance. and We, knew, we know the Lord's faithful because we've been in so many crazy places. And we're still here today to talk about it. I, I told somebody on a trip, just re, I think, Paul, it might have been the canoe trip. We talked about it. We know the Lord is among the people called Nazarenes in Pittsfield because look at us. <laughs> this wouldn't work a day unless the Lord is with us. Amen? It's okay. You can admit it. I'm from Kentucky. We wear it proud like a badge of honor. I mean, it just... We know we're different. It's okay. Praise God. But it's caused me to think as I reflect back on all those lives. Some of them I knew very well. Most all of them you all knew very well. Some of them I didn't know very much at all. But for those lives that uh, have passed and, and, and we, we feel a deep sense of loss because they loom so large. In, in, in the stories they told, in the faith they exhibited, in the generosity they showed, in, their, in the presence and the kindness and the Christ-likeness that flowed out of them. We miss them. The knowing that we were loved unconditionally and that there was always someone there to go to in this life. Some Jesus with skin on. Can I say it that way? It hurts when we're separated from those folks. But it got me to thinking, what, what does it mean to live a life that impacts others like that? So, so here's two questions just to get the ball rolling. What does it mean to, to be free? What's required for you to be free? And how do you live a life of significance? A life that when you pass... Others don't just simply say it's sad that they passed and we'll miss them. 
but they are, they are stopped in their tracks to think to themselves, it just seemed like Jesus was among us when we were with them. It just seemed like Jesus flowed out of them. They modeled for us the life of faith. It wasn't them. They weren't the source, but they modeled it. Jesus was living in them and through them. I would suggest to you this morning that the answer to those two questions is one and the same. To be free, to live a life of significance, is to be able to say, I am a child of God. This may turn some of you off, but growing up, all I heard on the radio was country music. Unless I was with mom in the car, and then it was southern gospel all day, every day. And, I, uh, and for the most part, I loved it. I didn't, you know, I, um, I'm that last generation that didn't know what uh, contemporary Christian stations ha- having radio. Our teens today, my goodness, there is no reason why you should ever have to listen to anything other than praise and worship and songs of love for the Lord and, and glory to Him. Uh, what a day. What a day to be living in with that. But it was country when I was growing up. And it just kind of, it was the soundtrack, right? You watch the movie, but it, the, and the soundtrack's there. You just don't, but it's, it's just always playing in the background. Didn't listen to the words all that much, thank goodness, for some of them. Those of you that love country, I'm not picking on you. I'm just, you know, you know. But there was one that came along and... Uh, the words rang out very loud. Uh, I have a, an interesting relationship with my dad. I think that might be a good way to put it. Um, it's not all I want it to be, and it's not as bad as it could be. Okay? Any, can anybody testify? It's just kind of right there in the middle somewhere. Uh, some of it is the strain of distance. I have not lived within 100 miles of my hometown since I was 18. So uh, uh, that that puts a strain on on things. And Dad will never be 100 miles from our hometown in his life. (laughs) Uh, Sarah's laughing because she knows this. I've often used the expression, if you ever see Dad here, it's because there was a massive explosion in my hometown that blew him out here, okay? That's the only way... You will ever see him here. I love my dad. You curious about the song? Some of you will know it. Don't start singing it. That just throws the whole sermon (laughs) off, okay? And I'm not going to sing it because I love you. (laughs) And I want to stay. I've enjoyed our time. I don't want it to end (laughs) abruptly this morning. Here's the words. I'm seeing my father in me. I guess that's how it's meant to be. And I find I'm more and more. I knew I couldn't do it. I find I'm more and more like him each day. I notice I walk the way he walks. I notice I talk the way he talks. I'm starting to see my father in me. Boy, you can do a lot with those lyrics. They can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Here's what they mean to me. 
My dad has always been a man of integrity, a man of hard work, faithfulness to his wife and family. And I am so grateful for the characteristics and the heritage that he has passed on to me that I can in turn pass on to my children. I'm thankful for those things. But somewhere about the age of five and then uh, really in junior high school, I met another father. And boy, I sing this song a little differently. I think about these words a little differently because now they're not just a coincidence or just a, uh, a happenstance of genetics. We share the same bloodline. We grew up in the same town. We lived in the same house and... So we repeat a lot of the same phrases. Or I'm always amazed. How many of you have noticed this phenomenon of uh, children who will, without knowing it, either through a facial expression or a phrase or whatever, you just want to stop and say, that is your mom or that is your dad. Anybody ever? And they don't even know they're doing it, right? They don't even think about it. It just, it just flows. It's a curious thing. It, it, it's amazing to me. But when I think about being a child of God, this song becomes a prayer. I'm seeing my father in me. I think that's how it's meant to be. And I find I'm more and more like him each day. I notice I walk the way he walked. I notice I talk the way he talks. I'm starting to see my father in me. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I know we're through a thing, a tour, a thing. Oh, that's not coming out. Let's rewind the tape. I know a thing or two about children. I already told you we we. I know a thing or seven, right, about children. First of all, I had quite a bit, quite a bit of experience being one, and uh, and then Sarah and I have a house full of them. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine that I would be the father of seven children, let alone seven girls. I promise you, that was never on the radar. <laughs> never. I am so thankful, but it was never out there of just, Lord, I could, I, he never gave me a vision. Never showed me a sign or anything that said, one day, buddy boy. Uh, and most days, I see it as a tremendous blessing. Occasionally, occasionally, I think, Lord, what did I do? Take me back to the place that I messed up. <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I am blessed. Wonderful, wonderful girls. They, uh, uh, oh my, I keep here all day about that. John chapter 8, let's get down to some business here, hear from the Lord. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, that's interesting, don't miss that, it's important, they weren't just Jews, they were Jews who believed him, that changes the whole dynamic there, he said to them, if you abide in me and my and you are my disciples indeed. 
Isn't it curious here? Jesus was dealing with people who might have claimed to be disciples but weren't really. If you are my disciples indeed, if in fact you really are, you're not just saying it, you're not just acting like it, but you really are followers of mine. If in fact you are my disciples indeed, and verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son, praise God, abides forever. Forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. I really would have thought that got a few of us happy. but Maybe we've got a little more work to do this morning. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And if you are a son, you abide forever with him. You're his child. Any of you who are parents, uh, now, now be careful with this. There may be a temptation to just react. And if your children are close by, this won't be good, okay? But any of you have designs on just saying, uh, I, I plan on not being a parent. The minute I can kick them out, boy, that's it. We're done. There's a time limit on this parent thing. Okay? Be careful. As far as I know, I was having a conversation with somebody last night down, down at camp meeting. Uh, this parenting thing is a till death do you part. I think that's I think that's right. And sometimes it feels like, you know, let's hurry this thing along. (laughs) I'm not talking about me. I'm helping you all. I'm helping some of you have a voice that don't get a mic, that don't get to be up here all the time, okay? This is just me showing grace to you. Brother Hamilton, you know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. But if you are a child of God, there there are a couple of things that go along with being a child, with having parents, with with uh, with having someone who brought you into this world, someone who cared for you, loved you, and and I realize, please please don't misunderstand. I know this in our world today, and it breaks my heart. This is a, this can be complicated. This can be very messy. So for the sake of of what we're talking about here this morning. Children of parents and show them love and maybe even some kind of biological kinship to them. What happens in those kind of relationships? One of the things that happens pretty often is that they share the same mannerisms. You ever notice this? It kind of goes back to that country song. Anybody told you, you know, you, you remind me of your dad. You remind me of your mom and, you, and, and maybe up until they said that you hadn't really thought about it maybe it made you groan maybe it made you proud I don't know maybe you, uh, maybe you said something you know your dad would have said that you know your mom would have 
Maybe it made you groan. Maybe it made you proud. Mannerisms. You, you, maybe you turn your head, tilt your head a little bit, and somebody says, that, you're, they would always do that. There, there's something very special about that moment. It, 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 at the very least, it reminds us I'm connected to somebody else. I have, a, I have a connection that goes far beyond just thinking about our relationship or just it, it, it's deeper than even my conscious thought. It's just it, 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 is, it is a part of who I am. Could it be that God desires for us to be children of His in that kind of way? Could it be that there's a lost and dying world that before they ever need you to get to the sermon. They need to be able to look at you and say, I, I'm not sure, but I think that might be something like Jesus. I think that might be what he would say. I, I'm not real, real up on all the Bible stuff, but I think he would, I think he would respond that way. I'm amazed at how, how much a lost world knows about the Bible, or at least what they think they know about the Bible. They have a built-in expectation that someone who truly loves them, someone who would sacrifice for them and be there for them, that they're, they're just going to walk and talk and think a certain way. Have you picked up on this? Any, am I alone? In, they just kind of have this built-in expectation. Some of those are good and some of those are way off base. I get it. But what are they talking? They're looking for mannerisms and, and things that show we're related to the one who we say we worship. So, let me ask the obvious question. If all we had to go on in your life or mine, not today, we're all pretty good at being Christ-like here at church on Sunday, at least for the most part. But let's, let's pick it up on uh, midday Tuesday. If all somebody had to go on was your mannerisms your reactions to things, good news, bad news, frustrations, anxieties, fears, worries, if that's all they had to go on, would it be pretty easy for people to look at you and say, I think that's Jesus. They must be related. They must know Him. They must have a relationship with Him. <clears throat> Mannerisms. Here's another thing. Children often receive the inheritance passed down from their parents. This one, uh, the Bible has quite a bit to say about, about this. You, you get on your phones, your devices, your laptop, your computer, whatever, and you check out inheritance being talked about in the scriptures, and you'll just get a whole big list. A couple of them are this, Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance, not just to one generation, but to his children's children. Now, it's a whole other sermon about what that inheritance is that you're passing down. I believe with all my heart, it goes so much further than just the material stuff. Drove by an auction, through an auction yesterday, and it just reminded me again of how, how the cycle keeps going with the stuff in our life, right? 
One generation has it, they pass, a group of people will swoop in and collect it all and it gets dispersed and then one day they're going to pass and there's going to be another auction and there's going to, you know, and it just, or a yard sale or something. And all this, all this stuff that just circles around and around and around. At the end of the day, it doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean one thing. But an inheritance of faithfulness, an inheritance of a relationship with Jesus. Here's what, I, here's what I hope. I hope that one day, if the Lord tarries, there's a grandchild of mine or a great-grandchild of mine that I never met that because they've heard the stories and because they've heard the testimonies and because they've seen my children, they can rise and say, I didn't even know great-grandpa. But boy, he passed on something to me. He left me an inheritance. And I'm going to see him in heaven one of these days. And I want to be like Jesus because I see what a change it made in him and how it's impacted and flowed down to our family. God, help us. Pass on a good inheritance. Pass on an inheritance that's really worth something. For all of eternity. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 through 5, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. Somebody say praise the Lord. It can never perish or spoil or fade this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You, whether, whether you, there's stuff that's going to trickle down to you or money that's going to trickle down to you in the passage of time or not, as a believer and a child of God, there is an inheritance laid up for you that the, if you had everything in the world, it couldn't buy it. And it is waiting, and it is ready for those who believe. Don't miss it for the world. I know that sounds cliche, but don't miss it for the world. Last thing is this. Children often bear a likeness to their parents. Children share the same mannerisms, characteristics as their parents. They often receive an inheritance passed down to them by their parents. But maybe the most important one, children often bear a likeness to their parents. I just want to share some... Uh, some words from God's word that uh, that talk about this. the The idea here is when you talk, when you th you look at likeness in God's word. More times than not, it's it's translated as image. We are so we get the we get the term we get the phrase that that as children of God we are image bearers. I was talking with someone this morning, and he said, as when when we played football. 
We had a name on the back of our jersey. And the chaplain would meet with us before a game. And more times than not, he would ask us, what's on the back of your jersey? And he said, inevitably, even though we had heard it several times, somebody would still, I guess we needed to hear it over and over again, but somebody would say, that's my name. And the chaplain would say, no, it's not. That's your dad's name. What's the point? The name you bear is not your own. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. God has, as a believer in Christ, He has laid claim on you and given us His image. Genesis chapter 1, it's, it's all throughout Scripture. Genesis 1, 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our Likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Genesis 5 verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man he made him in the likeness of of God. He created them male and female and he blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. 1 Corinthians 11, 7. For a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God. And the woman is the glory of man. Those of you who like wearing hats can wrestle with that one later on. Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Why? For in the image of God he made man. James 3, 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. In the wisdom of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 23, For God created man to be immortal and made him to be an image of his own eternity. The righteous, because they are made in the image of God, can rest in the full hope of eternal life. I don't know how I had kind of glossed over that one over the years, but boy, it just jumped out to me this week. The righteous, because they are made in the image of God, can rest in the full hope of eternal life. I, I can get through all week on that one, Fred. Right there. I can. What's the point? We ought to look like our Father. He intends for it. He created us. The, the very purpose of taking a lump of clay and breathing breath into it and calling it you was so that you would bear His image. So that you would look like Him. So let's not get this too complicated. If, 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 if people can't look at you, if, if a lost and dying world can't look at you who claims to be a believer and a follower of God and say, I think I see something like a Christian there. I think I see something like a person who knows who God is. A person who has hope and peace and joy and it comes not from this world. 
but from above. If there's not even a hint of that in your life, my friend, you need Him. You need to return to the one who created you and said, I intend for you to live and look like me. It's what what it means to be a child of God. One of the proudest days of my life, I was 16 years old. Oh, I'm sorry. I was 17, almost 18. I had taken a job that I would have told you I would never have. I went to work at a bank. Now, you got to understand, where I grew up, if you worked at a bank, it didn't matter if you were the president or the janitor. It just meant you were up here, okay? Just, that was just the understanding. You were, you're, you're working at a bank, you're high on the hog. I mean, you know, it was just is. I just sat. So I had grown up thinking, I'll do a lot of things in my life, but never in a million years will I work at a bank. And the Lord just kind of orchestrated things. And here I found myself in a brand new suit that I had bought to go out. And I had started working at a bank. And it was an experience. I learned a lot of things, met a lot of people, understood how the world worked in ways that I had never had my eyes open to before. One day there was a a gentleman walked up. I was a teller at the bank. They actually let me loose with the money. Can you believe that? And they really watched the pennies. I mean, banks are serious about the money. That's, I guess that's how it should be, right, Alan? I mean, you know, it's the money, or it, what, what else is the bank for? This gentleman walks up to, uh, well, there's probably four places there that he can come up to, and for some reason, I guess I just looked the most friendly or generous or something, I don't know. He came up to where I was at, we took care of his transaction, shot the breeze a little bit, and before he left, He had no way to know this. I didn't know it at the time. I thought he had seen a name tag, but as it turned out, I had been working at the window that day, so my name tag was at the window. Down here, I was uh, Teresa, I think was was my. And we'll talk about that later. Don't get confused about that. It's just a name tag, okay? Just a name tag. I took care of his transaction. We chit-chatted a little bit. And before he walked away, he said these words. You're Bud McLean's boy, aren't you? I never met, as far as I know, I never met him. And my name was Teresa, so, you know. How did he get that I was Bud McLean's boy? I mean, all evidence to the contrary, right? Here's what he said. I said, yeah, yeah, I am. He said, well, I could, I could just tell. You, uh, this matters to you. you. You took good care of what I needed taken care of today. That was a proud moment. What was he saying? If I had, if I had something I needed your dad to do, it mattered to him. He'd care about it, and he'd do a good job with it. Man, that made me proud. What, what had he done? In that moment, he had seen my father in me. 
Dad's 72. He's lived longer than he ever imagined he would. And uh, I pray the Lord gives him a lot more years. But if he doesn't, and Dad passes on to glory, I'm grateful to be his son. But i got to tell you, I'm not living for that. I love my dad. proud of my dad. A lot of ways I want to be like him. But I have a heavenly father that I want a lost and dying world to be able to watch my life and say, are you a child of God? I think you just might be, right? Is that? You remind me of him. <laughs> how does that happen? We'll close with this. How, how does that happen? It happens through a powerful word, and this is where it brings us all together. No matter what your parent, mom, dad situation might have been growing up or whatever, this is where we all come together in this. It's a word, adoption. Adoption. Adoption may be even more significant than biological parent in this way. And I've heard it said before. We had you. We chose them. You see, it means that my Heavenly Father had a choice. He could have looked at my sin and my shame and everything I wasn't, every way I had failed, every way I had come up short, and even the ways I still do from time to time. He could easily have looked at me and said, No. I don't have... I don't have an obligation that says I have to, but He chooses. He chooses. Could you? Some of you are going through it, but could you just say it with? Could you just say these these words? I'm chosen. If you can, you say I'm chosen. I'm chosen. He chose me, and we're all adopted. We're all adopted. Everyone who believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who surrenders their life to Him, He says, I choose you. Praise His name. And when He chooses us, when we accept that wonderful choice that He has made to say, I sent my Son for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. When we get adopted, we become His child. And if indeed we are disciples, we follow Him, we live like Him, we talk like Him, we walk like Him, we look like Him, we bear His image. And we can move from glory to glory knowing that we are His child, He lives within us, and we can be agents of redemption in this world for people who have not yet come to know Him because they can look at us and have an encounter, have an exchange, have a, have a conversation. And before they walk away, say, You know what? You remind me of someone. I think you look like your father. Maybe that happens to you all the time. Here's, here's, where, here's where the challenge comes and, and here's where we're shutting it down. 
Has anybody told you lately? Thank you for being like Jesus to me. Maybe they didn't use the word Jesus. They might not have known to use that word. But has anyone looked at you and said, thank you? You were there when nobody else would be there. Thank you. You forgave me when nobody else would forgive me. Thank you. You had patience with me when nobody else would have patience with me. Thank you. You gave me one more chance when nobody else would give me another chance. Thank you. You spoke truth to me when I needed to hear it. Thank you. You prayed for me when I called. Thank you. If they have, rejoice and be exceedingly glad because you've been identified as one who bears the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what He's called us to. But if you haven't, you can change that. You can come to Him this morning. You can pray right where you are. You can come to this altar, whatever it takes. And you can just call upon the name of the Lord and say, Oh God, I want to be known as your child. I want it to be the declaration of my life that I am a child of God. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to be free. And how do I live a life that if the Lord tarries and I leave this world through death, that they will look back and say, we saw Jesus in them by being a child of God, by being able to say, I am, I am a child of God. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm convinced with all my heart that this is, this is where we, we kind of have, through the years, too many of us have got things out of order. Far too often we've done the things that we think hopefully will make us look like children of God, hoping we would become children of God. If I just do enough of those good Christian things, go to church, read my Bible, be obedient to mom and dad, give my tithe, give in the offerings, come to revival at least a night or two. If I just, if I just do those those Christian things, if I, if I pray before every meal, then maybe I'll become one. And that is nothing but sentencing ourselves to a life of misery and frustration. So let me let you in on what I hope is not a secret at all. Let Jesus adopt you into the family. Say yes to Him. Surrender everything to Him. And then watch how He molds you and shapes you through all those other things that follow in your life. Are you a child of God this morning? Have you been indicted lately for looking like your Heavenly Father? If you haven't, I want to invite you to come and pray. I want to invite you to talk to Him for just a little while. There's plenty of room down here where you can pray. As a kid, I would hear Billy Graham say these words, and I still believe them, even though it's out of style. If Jesus went to a cross publicly for you, it sure seems like a pretty small thing for you to come publicly and confess your need of Him and cry out to Him. Is there magic in these altars? No, 
But I do believe it does something for us when we well up enough boldness to say, Lord, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm not here to please somebody. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I want to be your child. I want others to know I'm your child. And whatever needs to happen in my heart for that to take place, that's what I want this morning. Father, thank you for speaking to us just now. Thank you for helping us to look into your word and to hear truth. Thank you for the wonderful privilege we have of being able to be your children, being adopted and chosen by you. Thank you for the the invitation that you still extend. Your, Your house is not full. You're not limited by protocol or rules or policies. You still say to this day, whosoever will may come. We praise you and we thank you for that. Lord, check our hearts this morning. Help us to look in the mirror and see what other people see around us. They're they're not our judge. We're not saying that the litmus test is what other people think of us. But I believe with all my heart, if we really are your children, we'll bear a likeness to you. Others will see it. They'll know it. We'll be a witness for you in this lost world. Help us this morning, Lord, if we need to do business with you, if we need to pray, however we need to pray, you're leading. I trust your your spirit to move in each of our hearts the way it needs to take place. Help us in these next uh, couple of minutes to let you have your way in our life. As as the worship team plays... uh, or sings, or whatever they feel led to do. If you need to come and pray this morning, would you do that? I won't hold you, but just a couple more minutes. I thank you for your time. But let's, let's not let this time pass without making sure all is right between us and the Lord. For looking at us, for seeing us and knowing us even better than we know ourselves. And choosing us, adopting us into your family, calling each and every person to say, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thank you, Father. Your love is unbounded. You love your children from generation to generation. And you desire for us to to look like you, to walk like you, to talk like you, to to bear your image. Forgive us, Lord, if we've been confessing that we're related to you, but there's hardly any sign of that relation. Mold us and shape us each and every day. Any attitudes or thoughts or words that have crept into our daily lives, Lord, that don't declare the goodness of God that don't declare the truth and the love and the mercy of God and Holy Spirit we're, we're trusting in you to apply that to our lives we're not looking for, for a preacher or a pastor or any other person we need the Spirit of God to make it known to us those areas of our lives that, that look like our Father and those areas that don't why? because we want to be image bearers of our Heavenly Father. We want people to know we are children of God. A lost and dying world needs this. And we're so thankful that you have brought us into the family.
I praise you for it today. Lord, thank you that we could gather in this place. Thank you that we could spend a little while together. May we encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching of your return. Help us to be ready. Help us to have hearts that long to see others around us. May we not let another day or another week pass without doing all we can to reach another life for you. Help us to stand in amazement, Lord, at what you will do when we live our lives fully surrendered to you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for meeting us in this place. Thank you that while we are dismissed from here, we are never dismissed from your presence. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go today.